Hello everyone and welcome back to Discussing Digital, the podcast from Appraise, the independent digital marketing, technology and data consultancy. I'm Jack Shearing and this week I sit down and have a chat with Joey Henderson and Anna Kennedy from Avocet, the programmatic DSP. On this episode we talk about digital marketing and the brand building paradox. Can digital marketing be used to judge long-term success and brand building or is it just good for short-term success and CPAs, CTRs, CPCs and CP everything else? As always, if you like what we do, please rate, review and subscribe and let me know what you think by emailing me at jack at appraisedigital.com. Welcome to Discussing Digital. Uh, we're here today with Joey Henderson and Anna Kennedy from Avocet. Welcome to the podcast. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Do you want to quickly introduce uh, yourselves, who you are, what you do, and a little bit more about Avocet? Yeah, sure. So I guess just, just to contextualise a bit about Avocet. So Avocet is a programmatic buying platform. We run across display, video, mobile app. Um, we're very much focused on providing innovative and unique methods for buying and measuring uh, media. And I am a commercial director of set, so I spend a lot of time working with agencies and brands discussing their problems and then working to find solutions using the Avocet platform. Yeah, and I'm Anna. I head up the uh, product marketing there and work closely with Joey um, with our clients and agencies, but also developing you know, Avocet's narrative as a brand ourselves and engaging with the wider industry. Okay, and obviously you guys are a DSP, but we're not necessarily talking about programmatic specifically today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about digital um, being judged against brand building metrics. So we've had an interesting discussion recently around digital being judged on the short term versus digital being judged on long term success. So you guys are a DSP, you talk a lot about programmatic does brand building come into your world at all? Or is it all about short-term metrics, CPAs, revenue, clicks, etc.? Yeah, so, you know, for the most part, it's definitely very focused on the short term. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things we'll talk about today is you know, the, the measurability of digital, digital compared to other channels, and is that a blessing or a curse? Uh, so, you know, when it comes to programmatic, yeah, when we look at the KPIs, it is very focused on the short-term clicks, last touch CPA, you know, my view on that is that it's very much, you know, those were the metrics they had on day one and people have kind of taken the path of least resistance mm. in terms of pursuing those metrics um, to the nth degree where they've become the be all and end all for yeah. a lot of programmatic campaigns. Uh, and what we're trying to look at and you know, what Anna's looking at a lot is how do we get people brought into thinking about things differently and focusing more on brands metrics moving forward. And I'm going to throw it back to 1994. Um, and it's the, the age-old story of the first ever banner ad on mm-hmm. hotwire.com, which I'm sure we've all heard of before. Um, but everyone went crazy because they had this thing called a click-through rate, and <laughs> you could understand how many people clicked on that banner, and that was a massive like, leap in innovation when it comes to measurement uh, and digital scenes. It's an amazing thing. You could track clicks, and the click-through rate was 44% on that, uh, <laughs> on that banner, which is obviously larger than, than we've got today. But my point is, so digital, from the very beginning, had tracking mm-hmm. that other traditional channels didn't have. And I'm going to throw out there that 
you know, tracking is the best and worst thing to happen to digital marketing. Best thing because it allows us to be very accountable, but the worst thing because it's all we focus on. It's literally all we focus on when it comes to success. Yeah, 100%. So I think, you know, as I say, it, people kind of latch onto this very quickly and kind of use this to push the digital agenda, saying like, look, we've got this, this massively measurable channel, everyone should be doing this. And, you know, marketing people and, and CEOs and CFOs uh, all got bought into it because it's like suddenly this, you know, whereas other channels you're working with a lot of intangibles, and it's very hard to quantify sometimes, suddenly you had something where you had a very direct correlation mm-hmm. between action and ROI. So I think that was attractive. Um, and I think, yeah, I guess it's just been taken too far and the click is really the ultimate short-term KPI. Mm-hmm. It's like someone's <laughs> done something right now. Um, but then, you know, it, you, when you look at things like bounce rate and, and post-click conversion rate, it actually tends to be very low. And also if you just ask anybody, how, how can you go on clicking on ads on the internet? <laughs> it's not, not very often <laughs> for most people. Yeah, don't, um, don't tell your clients that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think also it's um, this whole kind of, I think that time, that really early time of um, digital media was us starting to realize what this whole instant gratification kind of dopamine kick really is you know just think about being a digital ad executive in that time seeing like you say the click rate you think oh there's a response people are interested what else does this mean is it a kind of indicator um and even today you know with the growth of e-commerce we've got really excited because you can go from literally serving an ad you know whether that's in a social environment or elsewhere and some and a consumer basically going from that ad to the shop and then buying it probably within you know less than 10 minutes or so so i think there is still you know we get this focus on a click leads to something maybe um, or it could be a mistake you know fat mm-hmm. and all of that but um i think that is a really interesting example because it just shows we've from the very early days of digital this instant feedback that we can get we get so excited about but there are so many signals it's that whole thing of just because it's measurable doesn't mean it's mm. it's necessarily telling you something or, or is of value and it's kind of like how do we decipher those signals so how do you guys do that have a set then but how do you move away maybe from those kind of short-term success metrics that everybody's used to and very comfortable with i'm sure it's actually probably more difficult for you guys to actually try and convince people to look at the bigger picture rather than just look at the clicks and, and CPAs. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, one of the, we, we definitely try and emphasize the importance uh, of brand building and also um, taking a longer term view by looking at things like A-B testing and uplift measurement, um, not just for a one month campaign, but looking at it over a much longer period of time. So obviously doing things like A-B testing and uplift measurement are one of the useful tools we have to figure out what's really working in, in this space in terms of doing test and control um, kind of splits of exposing and unexposed users. Um, but the problem we've seen in the past is people tend to want to you know, run a campaign for a month, do the test, get the results, and say, okay, mm-hmm. looks good, walk away, and then they go exactly back to what they're doing before. Yeah. Um, whereas um, you kind of can be missing out a lot there in terms of the long-term brand benefits, which kind of get missed out in that type of study. Um, just to kind of point to one example, um, we worked with a lot of e-commerce brands that wanted to expand into new markets. And that, so we'd start them off, in, let's say it's a UK brand, we'd, we'd kick it off into Germany, and they'd instantly be like, well, why isn't CPA good enough? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, no one's aware of the brand yet. So you need to invest X amount into building your brand first mm-hmm. um, before you can expect that kind of, that ROI return. Um, and I think, yeah, e-commerce is the ultimate example of this, especially when you think about like clothing, mm-hmm. because if people are buying 
and your shirt, they're buying a label, essentially. Mm. Like the, the, the material has very little intrinsic value, but if you're going to shout £80 for any item of clothing, you're buying into the brand. And if no one's ever heard of your brand, they're not mm. going to buy that product. So that, that's a good example where you, you need to have that brand storytelling part first. You can't just go straight to a quick win. Yeah. And when it comes to traditional channels then, so we spoke a bit about digital, and we'll come back to digital, of course, but in terms of traditional channels like TV, how do people... You know, uh, think about TV when it comes to brand building. Is, is TV like the answer to brand building? Is digital maybe only a part of it? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think from studies that have been, you know, released by the likes of Ubiquity and with Thinkbox and other sort of TV companies, um, there's obviously been the case made that it is a long-term brand building thing. Because, you know, if you think about in your childhood, you can probably recall a lot of um, adverts. You know, whether it's you know festive season it's that classic coca-cola advert you know there's this nostalgic kind of value and it's got this kind of almost evergreen feel it's coming back season after season um but equally it's also argued to be a good short term because obviously you're reaching the, the mass market potentially um but as joe said before it's really hard to to measure really how it resonates with the brand and the studies that we have seen like the ones from thinkbox you've got to be cautious because of the fact that they are in that industry so you know we're all going to make a case for the part of the of the kind of marketing mix that we work in but i think it's really about trying to bring that whole narrative together so that it's not just well i think about the brand this way on tv but when it comes to you know the online display i'm just going to make it a really simple call to action that's like very different from the ad there yeah. should be a sense of the narrative following through the different mediums. I think it's a really good point because you know you have in, in digital um, kind of centralised metrics that everyone's universally agreed upon, like CPA, CTR, all of your standard metrics. When it comes to brand building, there isn't like a universal mm-hmm. brand building study that everybody subscribes to. As you say, you know Google did a great uh, sort of brand uplift study, but it focused on YouTube, Google search, all of their properties. Naturally, you know. Um, when people are marketing their own homework, you might say that they want to get you to invest more in their platforms. How do you guys see it working as a wider industry? Do you think it's a wider industry problem that we don't have that kind of macro focus on brand building for digital? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, just, just to go back to you know the, the study that's mentioned, so there's a Think Box Ubiquity study uh, which came out recently looking at all the different channels. Yeah. And I thought it was a really good study actually, and it was really interesting looking at the difference between you know TV up there, you know number one for, for brand building versus digital <laughs> yeah. at the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right in terms of is, is are we measuring these things on a level level playing field? Um, when you know so looking at all the digital campaigns, most digital campaigns are optimizing completely to short term goals. Yeah. So if yeah. you know digital definitely could have the potential to to be more focused on brand awareness, but if everyone's just optimizing CTR and CPA, it's never gonna look good when T V has always been held up to more brand focused value. Mm-hmm. So people are you know designing T V ads based on the fact that they know they're gonna go through like panel reviews and, and brand uplift surveys. It's a really good point because it's very rare I think you'd see a TV campaign you know maybe booked in for six months after a month if sales weren't going up, the brand would go, turn it off, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. But I think with digital, almost from the nanosecond it starts, it's highly scrutinised, you know, all eyes are on digital, if it's not working, it's easy to take the budget out. Yeah. Um, do you see a lot of brands with that kind of behaviour, of, if it's not working quick, either we change it completely or turn it off, and does that have a damaging effect on potentially building a brand, like you say? Yeah, definitely. We've seen that. Um, it, it tends to be, you know, brands, uh, I guess, that 
and maybe we're a bit more old school and who are you know that they're, they're you know less used to doing digital media it's it's kind of it's seen as a risk they're taking um, they, they expect it to work very quickly um, or they kind of get a bit scared and want to pull the budget away you know they forget that they've spent years and years and years developing their strategies across traditional media and you know digital is something that it takes time to get right as well you have to figure out who the right partners are you know what the, what what's your perfect fit with an agency or with a DSP or you know the best publishers all that stuff needs to be kind of tested and fine-tuned over time and you know talking about long-term benefits you can't understand long-term benefits from running a one-month campaign ever right so yeah. so yeah there's definitely um a, a lot more work needs to go into that and I think it, you know, really, realistically, marketers need to ask themselves, you know, am I serious about making digital media work for us? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then unfortunately you're going to have to invest yeah. a significant portion of time and, and budget into really, really figuring it out. Yeah, so one of our clients, they they spend 10 million in offline activity per year, and they spend about 500,000 in digital, mm-hmm. and the amount of scrutiny and focus that digital has is so much more than uh, offline. Like, yeah. they have to really prove that digital is working month on month, yeah. because the offline budget just kind of continues to run. And I don't think I've seen a campaign, a digital campaign anyway, that I've run, uh, just not be scrutinised in that way, or judged on, let's just look at it in six months, compared to all the other channels, and look at our you know, media mix, modelling, and revenue figures, uh, and then let's see if actually it's been successful. I don't, yeah. I don't know about you guys, I've never seen a campaign run like that. No, I haven't, and I think, you know, this, this Digital and display in general tend, tends to get a bit of stick. I mean, one of the arguments we hear most commonly is it, it doesn't move the needle. Skills, you know, I run my TV campaign, mm. see loads of sales. Like run a massive radio campaign, see lots of sales. Run a programmatic campaign, not so much. It's like, yeah, but you invested two million into your TV <laughs> campaign and you invested twenty k into your into a programmatic campaign. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not always going to be equal. Um, but you know, there are a lot of factors to consider. Like I say, you know, one of the things I keep coming back to is that if if most agencies and platforms will often optimize to what we perceive to be not always the right metrics. And if, mm-hmm. if you're optimizing just to, you know, the lowest possible CPM and the lowest possible CPC, you know, arguably you're not you're not buying the best media. Mm-hmm. Um, so you won't always see the results. So. Yeah. And you guys are the first DSP to release cross device conversions and viewable attribution and always on incrementality studies. So can you talk a little bit more about that and how maybe that shapes the brand building narrative a bit more so we're not just focusing on cpas and the usual stuff you guys are actually digging a bit deeper into what performance actually looks like yeah definitely i think so to pick on a you know without, without giving the full the full pitch to pick on a couple of those that, that are really really key to, to what we're doing um and i kind of again you know one of the problems that we have in, in, in the industry is measurement and that, that's kind of contributing why people don't necessarily see value in the channel because uh, just when you look at conversion attribution, um, I won't go into this depth, I know you've already done a podcast about attribution, but most of the conversions that occur are you know, taking credit for um, across programmatic where you're doing conversion tracking um, are what we call post-view, so that means the user that hasn't necessarily clicked but they've been exposed to the advertising campaign and then they've converted. Um, uh, directly afterwards, um, but uh, you know, strangely, most attribution systems don't even look at the ads that the service those users were actually in view. Mm. So we think that that's just a massive step that needs to be taken first. We need to focus on ads that are actually in view and getting user attention. Because if they're not seen, how can you show that that's pr- that's 
prompted someone to have a sale. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, you know, the, you know, we've heard it. We've, people have been saying it for years. From, you know, PNG and American Express. I mean, the, the ads that are not seen, they, they do have no value. So, um, being able to you know measure and optimize to the, you know viewable media is absolutely key. Um, and then yeah, mo moving beyond just looking at you know like a last touch model like. That's something, again, I think that's a legacy from you know, when you know, Programmatic first started out, that was the best, the best measure we had that looked at the last, mm -hmm. last touch to attribute to. Um, but there's so many factors to take into account when people are running multiple channels, multiple touch points, um, that really what we want to move to is a model where we're looking at exposed and unexposed A-B tests. And yeah. um, that's more of a kind of econometric style where you can look at you know, users who have never seen it and mm -hmm. who've been exposed to the campaign and monitor the uplift from there. Which um, is what a lot of the traditional offline sort of brand tracking studies use. And online, I guess, they, they have a control group and a group that get exposed to the ads. Yeah, exactly. So, and like I was saying earlier, it's trying to get back onto a level playing field. So just measuring measuring things in a much cleaner way. And, and you know, an A-B test is something you can try and do across multiple channels. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just going to go all the way back to kind of real basic marketing side now and, and kind of, you know, the way we, we think about attention and what we're actually trying to get a user to do off the back of serving ads, we want them to change behaviour. Um, it doesn't really matter what channel that is. So us as consumers don't really care if we've been triggered to make a decision if we've seen a search ad, TV ad, print ad, outdoor ad, graffiti on the wall, it doesn't really matter. Um, how do you guys feel that the, the, the brand building paradox, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, you know, how is how deeply rooted is it in this, this concept of we just need to change someone's behaviour so it doesn't actually matter what, what channel uh, we use? I think ultimately if you're going to change someone's behaviour you have to elicit an emotional response and I think that is what's really central about the brand building side, like having a narrative where someone, no matter what channel it is, that they whether it's on radio and they've heard about the brand for the first time or they've seen something outdoor, you know, whatever, um, it has to be a, a, a message that they're going to connect with because unless you have that, you know, something that's putting you in and making you think, I want to find out more, your behaviour is not going to be changed. So I feel like, you know, the brand needs to have a strong story, a strong, strong case of, you know, what it is they want to achieve or help the consumer, uh, you know, solve. Um, and, it, and it's really about having that initial connection with the consumer and then, you know, there are multiple touch points today. And I think that's the key thing with digital, while we kind of look at digital so much, is because we have so many more digital touch points than we did, you know, mm. over like 12 years ago. So we put a lot of emphasis on digital, but really you've got to think about the whole mix because you don't ever, you know, if you're going to search something, you're searching about it because you heard about it somewhere else. Otherwise, you wouldn't know what keyword to search for. Yeah. So I think it's really about thinking about that interplay. Because a lot of marketers would say that, you know, I use my TV for brand building to almost mm -hmm. elicit that emotional response. Mm -hmm. And they would use digital to kind of bottom of the funnel, drive loads of leads, drive loads of conversions. Mm -hmm. Do you think digital can elicit an emotional response? Can a banner do that? Like, you know, a lot of people would say they wouldn't. I think it depends what you're classing within that digital journey or experience, because if you think of the direct-to-consumer brands that are doing so well today, you know, the likes of Glossier, Heist Studios, there, there are so many now, or even Netflix, if you think about, you know, how they've come to be so central to the, the consumer, uh, it's all been across digital platforms, yeah. that's how they've started, and I think, like, with 
digital, what it's given us as you know, entrepreneurs, marketers, is we've got more tools that we can access directly and with a lower amount of budget, because as we've spoken about, you know, mm. TV buys are really expensive. So if you are a challenger brand, um, you're more likely to go for a video ad that you can serve pre-roll, outstream, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whether it's in-app, um, HD video, um, any video environment where you can reach the, the consumer, because you're kind of getting out of the linear, you know, scheduling of traditional TV, and you're looking to find consumers where they are. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you want that, you know, subscription type model or something where you really want that personal one-to-one connection with the consumer, I think it makes real sense and is also really accessible as a new business to communicate in a digital first way. And that's not to say that radios, you know, it's, I think it's really difficult to say whether one channel has value mm. over another because really it depends on the product category and the consumer audience they're looking to target. Well, that's what we're saying anyway. Yeah. Think it doesn't actually matter about the channel, so to speak. It's yeah. just as long as you're measuring everything under the same roof, mm. um, it doesn't really matter. It's that media mix that counts, not how much you know media dollars are going into each channel and scrutinising the spend yeah. to the to the nth degree. Exactly. But I do think you can still have that strong awareness campaign across digital and I don't mm-hmm. think I think it's a definitely a more traditional way of thinking, saying, right, yeah, T V will give me this and, and yeah. radio will give me that. I think it's really about thinking as a consumer journey, how can you how can you reach the most effectively along the way? Yeah. Okay. And I've actually done some research for this podcast, which is very rare, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off. But um, <laughs> I found an article from Marketing Week, and this was back in 2016, so it's two, over two years ago now. Um, and it's uh, Susan Smith-Ellis, who was the CMO of Getty Images, is quoted mm. in it, and they're talking about sort of short-term versus long-term success. And to be honest, it kind of feels like they're in exactly the same place as we are now. Um, but she says, there is a real pendulum that companies swing because they want long-term brand building, to make sure the brand resonates and continues to be loved, but that is a slow burn. The instantaneousness of measuring then causes a shift back to all the digital channels all the time and trying to figure out how to measure these different pieces by the nanosecond. Then she says, um, she believes companies need to consider whether they're being schizophrenic about their behaviors. And she says, balancing short-term revenue and long-term brand building is an art and a science that very few companies do it well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that's completely, completely fair. You know, we see um, more of it. Well, I think that, you know, one of the biggest problems is people are kind of hooked on these short term metrics. Mm. So that they're hooked on like, okay, this is my CPA. I'm getting all these conversions every month. And then if you say take 50% of that budget and go and put it over to long term brand building, yeah. some of your overall CPA is going to shoot up. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to go back into the board and justify your position and yeah. what you're doing. And then you're yeah. like, oh, you know, your performance has, has gotten worse. Um, so I think that's a real problem is people being completely hooked on short term metrics and kind of needing to wean themselves off uh, and hard. make this case. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really tough. Once you're stuck on that road, yeah. it's really hard to get yourself off it. So I think it's, it's key um, for brands to be able to make a case for that long term. Uh, strategy uh, but at the moment in digital that is somewhat difficult to do because mm-hmm. as you say we've kind of just worked with the metrics we've always had yeah so you know that's why we're trying to release new products and new methods of measurement trying to kind of give give people the tools they need to go back to the business and say well actually you know this is what we're trying to build over the long term and this is how we're going to measure it and you mentioned the kind of exec board and, and you know susan smith ellis is used to be a cmo so she gets it yeah um, we think we you know we've got understanding is it the CEO the, and, and the kind of the, the board, the dreaded board that are kind of hammering people on results and saying, well, actually, 
you're not changing marketing because these results we're getting and I'm happy with it, our shareholders are happy. As you say, is it is it a sort of top-down um, approach that's kind of stopping us from moving forward in this area? So I've thought about this a lot. I, on the whole, I don't think it's the fault of the CEO. I think the CEO is well within their rights to say, you're going to have measures of success yeah. and you need to come in here and you know, justify the investment we're putting into this. So they need to, SEMOs need to have something where they come in and, and demonstrate you know, what they're working towards and what the measures of success are. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, the burden of proof is on the CMOs and the marketers to come in and show the value of what they're doing. And at the moment, they're kind of let down by the industry measurement yeah. standards and they don't they have metrics. really good metrics to come in and, and wow the board with. So I think there's there's an onus on on you know vendors, uh, agencies to give marketers the tools they need to demonstrate that, that long-term success. Mm. Um, and CEOs need to obviously empathize with this, but you know, CEOs you know should not and generally do not in any other area allow people to just come in and talk about a short term. If their COO or their CFO said, hey, this is the plan for next month mm-hmm. or next quarter, they don't worry about the rest of the year. Like They would come under fire for that. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't be letting their CMO do that either. If, if your CMO comes to you and says, okay, this is the plan for the quarter, all short term, short term, short term, yeah. the CEO should be questioning them and be like, yeah, okay, well, what about in one year's time, two years' time? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then, yeah, the, the only other fault, I guess, if, uh, at CEOs, uh, debate whether this is fair or not, but I guess <laughs> I think... There's, in digital especially, because it's, an, it's a much newer channel, there's potentially less understanding there from the CEO space. Mm. So, you know, they're kind of just relying on whatever, you know, bit metrics their CMO or their agency is, mm. is putting forward. Whereas, you know, maybe they need to get a better understanding of the digital space to understand how it's going to fit into the long-term strategy. And you mentioned agencies then. Um, we haven't spoken about agencies today, but... What's their kind of responsibility in, in this space? Do you think the agencies should be driving the kind of change in, in short-term success versus long-term success as well? Is the industry trade bodies and people like that? I mean, in, in an ideal world, yes. But realistically, like, I mean, should they? It's, it's very debatable. I think agencies yeah. exist to, to, to make money. They're, they're a business. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think realistically it's not their job. Their job is to meet the demands of the client and to solve their client's problems. And I think if a client comes down and says, you know, I've got a really issue that I'm struggling to put together a long-term strategy for digital, then it is the agency's job to solve that problem. Mm. But I think the demand needs to precede the supply in this case, and it needs to come from the advertisers to give their agencies uh, a bit of remit to say, okay, go away and work on a long-term strategy, mm. but I'm just saying go out and get me the lowest CPA possible. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's come two ways. I think it'd be amazing if an agency group kind of found a way to do a long-term brand tracking study on digital that covered all you know all digital channels across social search and you know I don't know how you do it from a tech perspective. There's people much cleverer than me to work that out, but I think it'd be amazing. I think you know people, especially in this space we're in at the moment, where agencies are coming under fire for all sorts of stuff. I think it'd be quite an interesting. Thing I, I think it would. I think it would, and I think also it would be interesting because I think agencies are now starting to think, you know, where can they add more value? How should they sort of adapt their model for today's climate, as it were, in the industry? And I think if they can be experts at um, helping brands to kind of where where they need to reinvent themselves, because if you think about, you know, the lasting brands like Apple, for example, mm-hmm. Apple's had a real roller coaster. It's not been a smooth, you know you know, we're great with our Macintoshes and then oh, all of a sudden we found the iPod. It was like a real, you know, a real brand journey to find how they can be relevant again and how they could engage a whole new uh, consumer audience. So I think 
But if you think about the, the brands that have longevity, they're the brands that have, to some extent, reinvented themselves to keep up with the times. Mm-hmm. And if there would be an agency that could help brands weather these different you know, environments that we're moving into, um, I think that could be a great business model. So to, add, to follow on from Joey's point um, regarding the, the sort of CEO, C-suite level, I think Joey's absolutely right. I think it is about marketers you know, stating their case uh, and an arguing for the budget they need and the sort of executions they want to do. But equally, I think what marketers today need to be really sort of guarding and really strong about in their role is that they're there to represent the consumer ultimately and to be like more of a voice about you know the, the end consumer of the product, service, whatever it is that they're marketing, to really kind of hold and own that relationship. Because if they can kind of consult the rest of the business on how better to reach their consumer groups, you know, ultimately that's going to translate into better and healthier revenue streams. Mm. So I think there's definitely more of a, a case that the, the marketing function can build out, build out to be more central within the, the organisation. Yeah, I think, you know, we do a lot of work with CEOs actually mm. um, because they just don't understand it. And I think they want to understand it. Um, but I think, you know, when they get... Uh, information from their CMO who might be trying to skew things towards good results and they get mm. information from their agency who may be trying to help the agency. Um, they don't have a kind of independent or unbiased like, advice stream. Um, I think that's a problem personally mm. and they go on the drum and they go on you know lots of trade press sites and they get a bit of information but they just don't get the whole picture and I actually think there's a there's a big role for all of our kind of companies and everybody really in the industry to to just lay it out simply, like if you went on the drum or the campaign and read some of the articles about digital marketing, mm-hmm. a lot of it's just gobbledygook and doesn't actually make sense. So I think having like discussions like these are really important because it just lays it out plain and simple. Yeah, and getting different perspectives yeah. in there rather than just one lens. Mm-hmm. I think that's always dangerous. You need to see it in the round. Yeah, totally. I, I like to say I think the the onus is on well certainly us as tech providers and and agencies to develop better solutions for measurement and, and to take these mm-hmm. to take these to clients uh, so because we we're the ones that have the tools to do it um, but as i say i think yeah definitely what we did, what's been great over the last year is seeing advertisers get more vocal and start demanding um you know better better methods of measurement and more transparency on what's going on within the agency and i think that has gone a long way into fueling a lot of the new uh, measurement methods and focus on brand building. Mm-hmm. So going back to brand building, we admit there's a bit of a problem at the moment. People aren't treating brand building fairly, maybe with digital channels. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think if we sit here in a year's time that things will change? Like, how do you see this progressing in the sort of short, near, and distant future? So I think short term is is definitely not going to change overnight. I think. Mm-hmm your reference to an article that came out this point <laughs> yeah. two years ago is testament to that. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely, as advertisers are moving closer to the buying space, that, that's definitely going to cause a shift in how people think about digital media buying. Because a lot of the older models that are just focused on, you know, low CPM, cheap media, kind of gaming the metrics, aren't going to work anymore when you've got advertisers sat there in front of the platform themselves looking mm-hmm. at what they're buying. I think there's there's going to be a bit of a pendulum shift back towards kind of higher quality media. <coughs> what I mean, um, yeah, high quality publishing, high impact units, video, uh, and I think so. Mid term, as yeah, agencies do more in housing, we'll then see uh, a bigger push towards these methods of measurement. 
which hopefully in the long term mm. will lead to all the tech and measurement providers in the industry moving towards doing long term studies. Yeah, I agree. I think in house we talk about in housing a lot. Um, obviously, we have a lot of brands in house, um, programmatic, PPC, a lot of biddable stuff. And I think when they in house it, they realise that they need to understand it a lot more. Yeah. Um, as a business, because you don't have that right hand man, your agency kind of helping you out all the time, it's yeah. very much down to you and individuals. Um, so I totally agree. I think once you know, the more we see in housing, the more we see brands being aware of in housing, or just trying to understand a bit more about if they can in house, they're going to start to investigate what their agency is up to in terms of how it all works. Yeah, and I think once they start to get that clearer picture of okay, this is actually how we're measuring it, that doesn't really line up to all my other channels that I understand inside and out. Um, and from there, then, then the shift starts to happen. Yeah, totally. I think you know the thing we have to be aware of as well. You know, we, it's easy for us to sit here and say, you know, measurement needs to get better. Yeah, yeah. We think about long term. It's actually an incredibly, incredibly hard problem to solve, mm-hmm. and people have, have tried for a very long time to solve it. So mm-hmm. it's you know, there needs to be significant um, you know time and, and money invested in it. Uh, from from the advertiser, but as you say, I think the first step is is education, uh, and I think because of how easy it was to optimize the short term metrics, um, again people taking the path of least resistance. Yeah. So it's just you know kind of explains feel like it's it's going to be a lot harder, but if if we can do this right, that the benefit is going to pay off kind of tenfold in the long run. I also think that um, given obviously spoke about the the short term and the kind of instant gratification of, of digital. I think actually, in order to kind of balance out the shift, there needs to be a bit more risk taken actually in media because I think you think about you know risks that have been taken recently and actually have paid off really well for brands. There isn't always a lot of data around it, and it really just takes someone to kind of again, it's that balance of left and right brain, you know, having the creative side and having the data crunching side, but not relying too much on one or the other. And I think. What I'd like to see in, in the year that comes, and we'll find out if that doesn't happen, is just more brands taking a few more risks. You know, yes, be calculated to, to some extent, but also just going with a gut feel and and also, I suppose, just being confident in their brand. Because if you know your brand and your audience well enough, then, you know, you shouldn't really go too far wrong. So. Yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier and uh, linking it to the Nike example yeah. when they did the Colin Kaepernick and, mm. and everyone kind of, there's a lot of backlash from yeah. that and that could be seen as a very high risk play mm. for, for short term yeah, marketing goals. Yeah. Um, but in the long term, you know, it's actually generated a huge amount of additional press yeah. for the brand and uh, a huge, you know, talking back to emotional reactions, it, it got a great kind of really climbing people's emotions, especially speaking to you know, the millennials group mm-hmm. and a load of people came out and, and you know were completely backing Nike when, when they did that. Mm-hmm. So that's a good example of like taking a risk which could potentially hurt you in the short term in, yeah. in what's hopefully gonna turn out to be a smart long term play. Yeah. Any person good press, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joey and Anna, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed our discussion. Um, do you wanna let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can visit our website, www.avaset.io. We've also got um, Twitter, which is at AvasetHQ, or we have uh, LinkedIn as well. So Perfect. get yourself on one of those. See you this time next year. See you then. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.